When life bumps up against you, you have the choice to pucker up and put on a sour face or mix it up with ingredients like resilience, persistence, and grace into the delectable concoction only you can serve. We are Greer McVeigh and Whitney Wiley, speakers, authors, and entrepreneurs. We're also sisters, and since we were children, we've made a habit of turning challenges into the lessons and launch paths of our lives. Each week, we'll discuss the recipes that will turn your biggest challenges into the building blocks of the successful and fulfilling life of your dreams. On occasion, we'll include experts and thought leaders who'll join the party and you're always invited to. Join us as we share the sweet highs and sour lows and every drop of life in between. Along with our guests, we help you shake and stir your own lemons into lemon drops. Welcome to the Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops podcast. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops. I'm Whitney Wiley. And I am Greer McVeigh. Hey, Whitney, how are you doing? I am great today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I actually, this morning, I got a, um, at a dentist appointment. Oh, so fun. I, got, I have nice, I have nice, clean, shine, nice, clean, pearly whites, but it was the, literally the first time that I let anybody get that close to me in what, 10 months or something. You know, I mean, literally like in my mouth. Right. Right. It was like, it was so sort of weird. I'm like, get back lady and you know with the with the dentist and the hygienist and but it was like oh i guess they can't really i didn't really think about the fact that in order for them to you know do a dental checkup and clean your teeth that they literally need to like have their hands inside of your mouth yeah it's it's a little weird if something that we have taken for granted all of a sudden is maybe sort of a a, a deal I won't say a big deal, but a deal anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was like, you know, anyway, so I, I'm, I'm, uh, and then I, I get to go get a Manny Petty, which again, it's like somebody's going to be touching me, but as everything is now sort of starting to shut down again and the holidays are upon us. And if you could see, if you could see my nails, you would know exactly why I was like, so desperate to, to get something done, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, the, the, the key is social distance and safety, wear a mask, you know, wash hands, disinfect, have barriers and things like that. So there are some things we can still do. We just have to be very careful. Right. You know, be very cautious with how we interact with, with people. But uh, you know, generally, it's, you know, we, we just, we're trudging along through this whole experience as a, as a collective. Yeah, I can't wait to get to the other side, and then look back, and, you know, just sort of, yeah, I mean, can you imagine? You're like, assuming there's another side to get to. Well, I'm, I'm praying there's another side to get to. <laughs> but can you imagine, like, five years from now, or 10 years from now, just looking back in the, you know, the, the 2020, the year that never was. 
No, that, that's a good point, right? We've been through things. Um, yeah. You know, relationships that have failed, um, loss, you know, losing people that we love. And in the midst of it, you wonder, is there another side? And there always is the other side. It, yeah, that is true. don't know is how long it's going to take to get there and what it looks like when we get there. But, you know, there will be a, another side and it will be glorious because somehow it manages to do that. So um, with that, Speaking of relationships and other sides, um, we have a guest with us today as we are continuing our series on overcoming. And today we're going to be um, focused on relationships and the failures in relationships and how failures are not failures, again, because there's another side. There are things to learn in the midst of those. And so uh, we have with us today, Christine Lavulo, who is a trainer, author, coach, and um, lots of other things attached to her name. And so Christine, thank you for joining us. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Whitney and Greer. It's so great to be here. And um, I'm excited to share some of my experiences and hope it can help some of the listeners with overcoming some of their challenges and relationships. As you mentioned, COVID has kind of um, challenged many people's relationships, spending yeah. more time together than they're used to. And I've seen a lot of increase in breakups and divorces and things like that. So hopefully we can kind of help people see a new paradigm on how to respond to relationships in a more beneficial way and and to also process what they've been through to not have it hold them back for future joy absolutely absolutely yeah. so with that christine you, why don't you share with us a little bit about your story a little bit about who you are and mm -hmm. um we'll go from there absolutely thanks so <laughs> like anybody my story starts when i was a young woman and um I was always super boy crazy, really always loved boys. I have mostly brothers and boy cousins and all boys practically in our neighborhood. And so I was always surrounded by boys. always loved that. And um, when I was in high school, I met this guy um, that I just was smitten with head over heels. We dated kind of off and on for about two years. And I was, um, you know, the good girl. Like I was a church girl. I did everything right. I played by the rules. Um, but he was, he was pretty charming. <laughs> and of course I found myself, you know, kind of really falling for him pretty deeply and ended up getting pregnant when I was 17. And, um, shortly after I told him I was pregnant, he kind of disappeared, like couldn't get a hold of him. Couldn't find him. His friends would tell me they didn't know where he was. And, um, I, I was sitting there really kind of like, what just happened? You know, like, how did this just happen to me? The girl that's the good girl. I don't, I don't do these things. And now here I am pregnant and alone. Was he a neighborhood boy? I'm just curious. Um, he was, was he one like of a, my brother's friends, a, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, he'd gone to school, but he was older than me. So by the time I was um, in high school, he had already graduated. Okay. And uh I'd met him because he was a friend of my brother's and my brother would bring him around the house and stuff. So um, as he went off to college, of course, he made new friends. <laughs> and so it was really an interesting 
interesting dynamic. And he did kind of start coming back around, you know, towards the end of my pregnancy. But again, like, wasn't there for the birth, kind of not really engaged. And we kind of went back and forth like that to where um, it was like, are we going to get together? Are we going to get married? Where is this going to go? And it was just always really uncertain. I was never quite sure. One minute I thought we were on the right track. Um, but I mean, he was just a ladies man. And so he would tell me I was the only one, but I was never the only one. <laughs> and, um, and then one day he tells me, we hadn't talked for a while. We kind of got in a really big fight and we hadn't talked for a little while. And he called me up and said, Hey, I need to talk to you. And lo and behold, he was married with a baby on the way. Oh, wow. Holy blindsided oh. me. When um, you were still pregnant? No, I, no, this was, or, um, year right two. before our son turned one. Okay. Right before oh, wow. our son turned one. And I'm like, so my son has a daughter, has a sister that's just barely a year younger than him. Um, and I was just sitting there like, you know, like I thought we were getting married. Like I thought we were kind of on this path. I know we kind of got in an argument. We haven't talked for a little while, but it wasn't like a long while. Like we hadn't talked for maybe a month or so, you know, it wasn't anything extreme. Um, so I was really blindsided by that. Um, at first, incredibly bitter, um, but also knowing that what's meant to be will be, and this just must not be for me. Um, more concerned about how it would affect my son than anything, probably. So I moved on with my life and and um, did what I could and kind of hit my early 20s. You know, you turn 21 and, you know, you can legally drink. And and although that wasn't really the kind of girl I was, all of a sudden I found myself on this path of screw it. I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and kind of trying to meet a man when you already have a kid, especially as young as I was and never being married, it's hard to have a man take you seriously. You know, they assume they know what kind of girl you are. They assume that's the kind of girl you are. And so I was like, if this is what people think of me anyway, I might as well just be that person. Right. So I got pretty wild. Um, kind of made a lot of bad decisions and lo and behold I find myself at 22 pregnant again and um I told the dad and he was like you know hey I'm gonna be here for you we'll get married that kind of stuff and a week later he told me he was in love with someone else and she didn't care that I was pregnant and we were done and I'm once again blindsided and in that situation I I knew he wasn't a good fit for me to marry like my first son's dad I was in love with like I just was heartbroken over that. This guy was more kind of um, like felt dissed. I mean, I was like, really, how dare you, <laughs> you know? Um, but I knew he wasn't the one, like, you know, I, I was like in my mind thinking, okay, we'll get married so we can have this baby and not have everybody judge us. But like, you know, I give it five years tops kind of, kind of thing. So when he told me he was in love with someone else, it was hurtful. But it wasn't devastating. It was more just offensive, <laughs> you know, embarrassing. Yeah. I guess you could say like, oh, okay, I'm not even good enough for you to, you know, put your life off on hold. Like I have to put my life on hold, right? You have a kid, you're kind of, everything changes for you, but men mm -hmm. have the pleasure of kind of moving on with their life however they want to, where it's just not quite as easy with women. So um, have my second son and... He, in the meantime, has gotten married, and my son has a sister that's five months younger than him. And uh, here I am, the single mom of these two little boys, and completely a train wreck. Like, I mean, really, 
the definition of a train wreck. Like I was a mess, um, a hot mess actually. And then I meet this other guy and he's great. And I think he's the one. And we talk about getting married. We're engaged. And out of the blue, he just kind of turned into a totally different person. Um, started getting a little bit verbally abusive. Um, I, I decided that we should move out of state. Like let's move away from everything and kind of just be us. And so he's like, you go on and I'll, I'll catch up with you in a month or two when you're established. And then instead he moved on, got married to someone else, had some kids with someone else. And so here I am at this point, I'm, I'm 23. And I think something is really wrong with me. I must just be completely unlovable. Like, I think I'm a good person. You know, I, I think I give a lot of myself to these men. I give a lot of love. I, I try to be understanding, compassionate. And yet, you know, what's wrong with me? And um, it was at that time that I got a phone call in the middle of the night one night. And um, I answered the phone, kind of shocked that somebody's calling me in the middle of the night because that was pretty normal in years past. But I was so different in my life at that point. Like, who's calling me in the middle of the night, right? I know nobody's making a booty call at this point. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I don't know anybody at this point. So I'm kind of surprised and I answer it and I'm like talking to this man and he sounds familiar, but I can't quite pinpoint it. And I'm like, who is this, you know? And he's kind of playing games like, oh, guess who it is? And I'm like, dude, it's the middle of the night. You don't tell me who it is. I'm hanging up. Like, I, I'm done with the games, right? And he tells me, oh, this is Clausen. Well, Clausen is a guy I had just started dating when I found out I was pregnant with my first son. Me and my first son's dad had kind of broke up because, again, he was always seeing other people. And I had started dating this guy. And then I found out I was pregnant. And he was like, it doesn't matter that you're pregnant. Like, we'll just tell people it's my kid. Like, let's just, you know, move forward. And I was like, you know, I mean, I'm 17. I'm like, dude, something's wrong with you. <laughs> like, like, who says that, right? I mean, and, and maybe part of me just truly didn't feel worthy of that kind of love. Mm -hmm. but, but I can understand it. And I was still so hung up on my son's dad that I was like, oh, no, I need to try to make things work for my baby's dad. You know, we got to try to do it this way. And so I broke up with him. and then. After I graduated high school, we kind of started dating again. And I broke up with him again, again, trying to make things work with my son's dad. And then he got married and we kind of just, you know, went our own way. And I mean, we had contact as far as we knew what was going on in each other's lives because our families all worked together. But that was the extent of it. And so here he was calling me in the middle of the night. And this is like, you know, like five or six years since we've last talked and dated. And telling me that he's, he's, you know, divorced and he's never stopped thinking about me and, you know, wants to see me. Can we get together? So we make plans to meet up the next day. He happened to be in Colorado where I had moved to and we get together. And when I leave that night, I know he is the one. Like, I am just like, finally, I'm in a place in my life where I, I'm no longer needing to fix someone, but want a partner, you know, because before I was always dating these guys that needed work. I mean, not that we don't all need work. We all always need work. But I just kept thinking I could maybe be somebody's savior, that they would somehow, I would change their life in such a dramatic way that they would forever be indebted to me. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, maybe that's just a crazy myth of certain, certain women. But I think a lot of women have that need and desire. So I finally find this guy that I'm like, he is the one. He's great. He doesn't have weird issues. Like, he's, you know, he's just really a phenomenal man. And Sure enough, we start dating. I moved back home to Utah and we end up getting married. And, 
And I mean, like any marriage, you're going to have challenges and trials and, and things like that, but we're doing pretty good. And I was um, running a home staging company at the time and um, we had just had a new baby. So we had two boys of our own. And then all of a sudden I become pregnant with a third child. So our fifth total and um, the economy starting to tank. This was around 2009 and, and he was self-employed. I was self-employed. And so we were having massive financial strain. And um, people were scaling back on how much they were paying stagers and how much staging they were doing because obviously the economy is a little more difficult. And um, so we're sitting there and uh, things start getting really difficult between us. And, and little by little, I'm thinking this is not the man I married. Like, you know, I'm on eggshells all the time. I don't feel like we have any communication. And finally, one day, a matter of fact, it was Mother's Day in 2010, I said, I'm done. And I moved out. And at first, I was like, wow, my plan worked. Like, he's like, oh, I'll go to counseling. I'll do whatever you want. Like, you know, I'm there. And I'm like, oh, score. Like, you know, because I think women sometimes have this idea, like, like, I'm going to force your hand, right? I'm going to force your hand into saying, yes, okay, I'll do what you want to do, right? We don't realize it's manipulative, but it kind of is. And so I felt like, wow, my manipulation tactic worked. And, um, we kind of were talking for about three weeks of, you know, let's work things out. Let's do this. And then overnight he became like a totally different person. Honestly, I, I mean, you kind of recognize the person when you see him, but in their eyes, you don't recognize them. If you know what I'm saying, like he was just different. He all of a sudden started dating this other woman and he started partying. And I was like, first of all, dude, like we're close to 40 here at this point, you know, <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? And then I'm just like, you were supposed to be my Prince Charming, my knight in shining armor. What happened? And, you know, at first I was kind of indignant, like, how dare you and screw you and all those things that we go through. And I remember um, this one night, well, it was probably during the day. I was just devastated. And I was, I was planning to serve him with papers, with divorce papers. And had kind of even circled the date on my calendar. Like, if I serve the, the papers this day, by this day will be final. And <laughs> had it all planned out. And it's like, you know, not to get too, too spiritual here, but it was like, I felt the hand of God tap me and ask me like, are you ready to hear what I have to say? I'm like, okay, God, what do you, what do you got for me? He's like, I want you to stand up and fight for your marriage. And I'm thinking this is insane. Fight for what? Right? Like, you know, I, what's there to fight for? This is not what I want. Like, this isn't the man I, I married originally. He's a totally different person. And I heard, no, you're, I want you to fight for your marriage. And so it kind of took me on this year and a half long journey. <laughs> and what was most amazing about it is that I learned about myself. So in all the things that I realized I was blaming everybody else for, I started seeing how I was creating what I was experiencing. Mm. You know, I, I started seeing all the things I was doing that was creating these things rather than looking at myself as a victim. I started seeing myself as the creator. <laughs> so I was able to overcome finally after having all these uh, massive failed relationships and feeling like the relationship of my life was about to fail. I recognized it was really just a setback. And I started seeing how all the relationships prior had kind of prepared me for it. But more importantly, I started seeing how like I said, how I was the creator of it and right. how I was creating these failed relationships and that there was really nothing. I was the common denominator. <laughs> you 
like I had nobody else to blame. I was the common denominator in all my experiences. And so um, I had always been really good at forgiving and I had forgiven my son's dads before the ones, you know, and we all had a really great relationship. I had great relationships with their wives and, and we all got along. And so here I am with my husband trying to work things out and having to forgive him. And, and when somebody's unfaithful to you when you're actually married, I mean, obviously that's a deeper level than when you're just dating or, you know, have a child together. So I had to really start to understand what forgiveness really was. And the fact that forgiveness is not about excusing their behavior or saying it's okay or forgetting it. It's, it's really a gift you give to yourself because when you carry that baggage around, the only person that's hurting is you. Right. You know, I mean, you know, maybe your bitterness towards them hurts a little and maybe them knowing that they've hurt you hurts a little, but really holding on to all those feelings is so negative that, that you're just hurting yourself with that. So I learned a lot along the way about forgiveness um, and how really that's, that's a blessing for ourselves and not necessarily for the person being forgiven. Absolutely. And most importantly, is, yeah. In listening to you, um, your story is <laughs> a lot parallel to mine. Um, you know, I, I grew up, same thing. I think boy crazy would be a, a good word. Um, constantly in relationship after I, I w I'm what I would call a serial monogamist. Right. Right. So <laughs> it, it, it wasn't really dating. It was just like moving from one relationship that I was forcing to be relationships with people mm -hmm. that just didn't fit. Um, and so, you know, I can relate as you're telling your story. <laughs> I can relate to and then um, coming to that place where you realize you're the common denominator. Right. Um, and again, not excusing anyone's behavior or, you know, bad behavior, but right. I had a similar, I'll just say this. I had a similar experience where, um, that, that, as far as I'm concerned, the voice of God, um, I was out running one morning crying, boohoo crying mm -hmm. and like, what's wrong with me? What, you know, right. why is, are, are none of these things happening? And it sent me on a path that, and you said the common denominator. So I'm interested in knowing when, when you finally get to this place where you're real willing to sort of stop moving from dude to dude and sort of just sit with yourself, what are the conversations that you're having? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, that's kind of a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> I think the biggest thing for me was recognizing my pride and also rec recognizing the mirror. I like to talk about the mirror a lot because I've come to realize that I project a lot. And I think this is human nature. We project what we're feeling about ourselves onto other people because it's painful to acknowledge the problems that we have within ourselves. Obviously, we know we've got issues. We know we're not perfect, but but facing those things and owning them can be very uncomfortable and difficult. And a lot of times we don't know what to do with it. So we project it onto everybody else. So with me and my husband, I kept thinking he's become so prideful. 
he's not the man I married. He's this, he's that. And then all of a sudden I have to look in the mirror and realize I had become incredibly prideful. I wasn't the woman he married. You know, I was doing this, I was doing that. And so kind of recognizing that and having to tell myself, you know, you're, you're the issue, Christine, <laughs> you know? like not again, not excusing what he's done, but, but owning my role in what, right. what was happening, you know, of, of seeing how everything wasn't his fault. And I wasn't this, this victim that was blameless and this was happening to me, but that I was a co-creator of what, what I was experiencing. And, and I came to realize how everything I did and the consequences from my, my decisions. So, um, one of the things I would constantly do when me and my husband were separated is try to guilt him into coming back. You know, like, don't you want to be with your family? Don't you want to be with your kids? And thinking that I would wake him up, so to speak. But in reality, all I was doing was pushing him further away because he felt condemned. He felt guilty. He felt pain about himself. And so, you know, you want to run away from those things. We don't want to run towards those, right? We don't want to lean into the truth. We want to run from it most of the time. And so I started realizing as I was changing the way I approached him and started thinking, how would I want somebody to approach me? If I was in his shoes, what would I want? And I think we all want to feel loved and accepted and, and we want compassion extended to us. I mean, we all want unconditional love, right? You don't feel unconditionally loved when somebody's criticizing you and condemning you. You feel like I'll never be enough. I'll never measure up. What's the point in trying? So as I started changing that, that story and kind of approaching him with that, it changed. And one of the other big things is I changed the relationship I had with myself. Um, I learned to love myself and to be unconditionally loving towards myself. Uh, and it's funny because I thought I was that way. And then I had to come to the realization that I really was not very kind to myself a lot of the times. And the more I criticize and condemn myself, the more I was not the true person I really am. The less sweet I was to other people, the less kind I was, the less understanding I was because it was, you know, shields up and right. always trying to protect people from knowing the truth about me. How can you really get close to someone like that? So kind of taking back all those layers and being honest with myself and then loving myself in spite of my imperfections and cutting myself some slack and talking to myself the way I'd want someone to talk to me and to treat me. So I think it really starts with the relationship with ourselves because we think that we can not love ourselves and still pour out love. But in reality, it's never really fully complete. Um, there's always something kind of missing or holding back in that. So um, restoring my relationship was huge. <laughs> well, let me, let me ask this. I just want to be clear. It wasn't necessarily that you didn't, that you you don't think you were wrong with some of your cr criticism of your husband <laughs> it was that you were like okay the way i'm going about this is yeah wrong. we still have whatever right. these issues are right. yes i've got my personal issues he's got his issues we need to address both you know right. i need to address mine we need to address the you know his right but the way you were talking to him <laughs> just was not effective so you were not getting him to even buy into what some of his challenges were. Is right. that how that worked? Exactly. And I think also, you know, <laughs> it's funny the expectations we put on people. Um, 
You know, I think women are raised to believe like in the Cinderella story that I'm going to find my knight in shining armor or my prince charming. They're going to, you know, sweep me off my feet and my life's going to be happily ever after. And I think women are really conditioned to kind of have this unconscious belief about that. And so we're sometimes putting all the power and control in that man's hands and giving him all that responsibility that maybe he doesn't want, you know? And it's not and then, equipped for quite frankly. Right, yes, right. yes, especially right. not when you're in your 20s. Right. And then likewise, men do the same thing with women, and I call it the June Cleaver problem. Um, you know, they're raised to believe a woman's supposed to devote every waking moment to you and don't realize we're taking care of kids and we have careers and we have our own ambitions and our own desires and our own skill set. You know, I, I'm not like going to ever be June Cleaver. That's not who I am. It's just never going to happen, right? Um, I can cook okay and I know how to clean, but, um, you know, I've always been more ambitious, more CEO type oriented. Yeah. Four inch heels. Yeah. Right. Sometimes six inch. <laughs> so a big part of what you had to overcome was yeah. yourself. Yes. <laughs> okay. My own yeah, it, crazy thinking and mindset. And I think overcoming some of the baggage of my past, you know, yeah. and, and taking ownership over it rather than being a victim to it. So, yeah, I think, I think we all have to overcome our, ourselves. Well, so before we sort of get into how you made those shifts and mm -hmm. ultimately over, overcame, I'm sure it's still a work in progress. We're all <laughs> sort of, you know, working on, on, improve improving um how did this impact your children at this point well at this point you had five children uh, between the two of right you, correct? okay yeah um to be honest my children were what kept me going and kept me trying to figure things out um mm -hmm. because i knew that a divorce would be detrimental to them yeah and um it was it was really challenging because they couldn't understand why like the older boys kind of understood what was going on because they were they were older but um the younger kids were kind of like why are we all of a sudden going to visit dad at our aunt and uncle's house instead of him being here at home and and at one point my son said am i not a lavulo anymore like he just didn't even understand what was going on and and does dad love me still? And they really struggled. Like I had no idea what I was going to put into motion when I chose to move out and make that um, mm -hmm. change. And so that was another thing I had to take ownership over is what I had created with, you know, that was now affecting my children. And, um, you know, my 16 year old at the time, my second son, um, like got involved in gangs at this time and was having some like pretty extreme struggles, ran away, got locked up. Just, I mean, we were going through hell yeah. <laughs> and all I could think of is, you know, I, I, I did this, like I, you know, chose to, you know, kind of leave my husband out of their upbringing in a way. I mean, even though he was still present, he was only up the street. It just wasn't the same. And if I tried to talk to talk to him about it, he would be kind of like, hey, you know, you created this, you did this, like you wanted to be on your own, you know? And so mm -hmm. I had to really kind of take some ownership over that as well. Not just what I created in my marriage, but what I was creating in my family and how it was affecting my children. And fortunately it has not had long lasting damaging effects. <laughs> But we did, we did end up working things out and we did end up coming back together and, and being able to get through that. Um, 
with some amazing experiences and lessons learned, but um, it took a while for my kids to trust him again. And even though they won't, won't say it, I think it took him a while to trust me, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to feel like, um, you know, like I'm not going to hurt them by making maybe some bad decisions or, or thinking really of myself. You know, you never think that you're only thinking of yourself when you do that. But then in hindsight, I'm like, I really didn't factor in how this was going to affect my kids when I made that decision to move out. Well, you know, that's one of the things that you hear more and more of. I mean, people mm-hmm. are doing self-assessments and, and, you know, really digging deep and some things that maybe we didn't do or women <laughs> didn't do, you know, during June Cleaver's time. Right. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it is about your family. It is about everyone but you. And now women are obviously, you know, reclaiming their lives. I mean, that's a big part of what we talk about here on Lemon Drops. And Mm -hmm. what I see all around me is women um, taking ownership and taking agency of their lives. Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to be pigeonholed. I'm not going to be. But then finding that balance, Mm -hmm. right? Especially like you said, you created a family. You created (laughs) these people you created a situation so how do you find the balance between you know what are your needs and what is going to make you feel fulfilled which then helps you give to them right the whole put your oxygen mask on before you help the next person theirs how do you find that balance so that you know you don't ruin seven people's lives (laughs) right (laughs) I think the biggest thing that happened for me, um, and I know Whitney's familiar with this principle, um, I learned what it was to take 100% responsibility for my life. Um, I learned that the way I respond to what's happening is going to create the outcome. So now I take time to reflect on, you know, that and, and realizing, okay, however I respond to this is going to create the outcome I'm going to get. And how's that going to affect me? But how's it going to affect you know, those around me, we, we sometimes think we're independent of everybody and we don't realize that what we choose to do a lot of times has a ripple effect or a domino effect to all the people who love us. Um, so that was a huge one of, of learning that principle and starting to take 100% responsibility. But another thing I did, kind of like talking about putting your oxygen mask on first, um, I think we go on a journey of how to rediscover ourselves. I think in marriage and, ch- and, and giving birth and having children, you kind of become this different person, you know, if you're not careful and you're trying to fit into what everybody else thinks you should be, you know, what, what's a wife supposed to be? What does my husband expect of me? What do, what am I supposed to be as a mother? And, and, you know, I want to be the room mother in all my kids' classes and, you know, we want to try to do it all. And yet we still also have these ambitions. You know, I was always a dancer. I love to dance. I love to um, go to events, host events. There was all these things I had all these passions about and then with each kid, a little part of me kind of died. And I kind of became resentful of my husband and my kids for that. Like it was their fault somehow. And then I had to realize nobody told me I couldn't do these things. Nobody told me I had to be a prisoner to my home life. You know, I had chosen that. I had thought that that was what I had to be, that that was the role I had to feel. And so I think we, as women, especially get married and have children we have these ideas of who we're supposed to become. And sometimes they're not really 
um, true. <laughs> like they're just not true. Um, and I think the more we try to become someone we're not, the less we feel true to ourselves and that creates the unbalance. So as I went on this journey of kind of getting back to the core of who I am, you know, um, doing things I was passionate about, but also remembering the nice person that I was. I mean, everybody was like, oh, you're such a sweetheart when I was younger. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I'm not really hearing that. I'm more hearing the B word. <laughs> like, I think I've become a totally different person because you, you know, you give into all the stress and all the pressure and you're not doing anything to alleviate that. You know, you're, you've lost the core essence of who you are and all this other stuff. We give ourselves away. Um, and I think we believe other people have caused us to do that. But in reality, we, we make the choice. We give ourselves away. So getting back to the core essence of who I was was probably the biggest way for me to find that balance again and, and realize, you know, hey, I can choose today to be that mother. I can choose today to cook the dinners and the breakfast and the lunches. And I can choose to spend time on homework today. And tomorrow I can maybe choose to spend more time on myself. Tomorrow, maybe I can choose to go to that dance class, you know, or I can choose to go out with friends or um, I can choose to sit and watch Hallmark movies <laughs> or read a book, you know, but getting back to saying, you know, what is right for me today? And if I do this, how's that going to affect the people around me? And some days the best thing I can do for myself is take care of myself you know, that's going to be the best thing I can do for my family or else I'm going to become a nut, nut job and who knows, who knows where that will lead. Um, and other days it's, it's about them and it's about me making the sacrifices because of my love for them. And, and I think it's just one thing that you have to take a day at a time. And sometimes I'm not sure what's going to be the best and I'll actually muscle test or use applied kinesiology. Like, Hey, you know, let's see, let's see what's really the best route for me to take today. Who needs me the most, me or them, you know? Mm -hmm. And how can I work through, to, through it if I feel like I need to have my needs met, but yet I know they really need me? How can I find a balance in that? Did I answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 it's, it's interesting. I had a phone call, uh, a conversation with my son a few days ago, and who's off in college. And um, when I talk to him, it's rare that I talk about myself or my needs. It's, how's it going? How is school? Do you need anything? Are you getting along? Are you, you know, have you done your homework? Are you teacher? You know, whatever. Um, you know, but it's all about him. Mm -hmm. To the, and he asks, you know, he asks me, he's, you know, to his credit, he's like, you know, how are you? And what did you do today? And that, and I'm sort of like, oh yeah, you know, no. Well, I went through this whole, um, over the last couple of months, I had a series of uh, medical issues. And each time I got tests, I kept having this battery of tests, but each time I'd have a test, they'd find some new problem. And then it's like, oh, we got to treat that. And now we're going to do some additional tests. And, you know, and it, so it's sort of, so he and I were talking the other day and for whatever reason on this particular day, I said, yeah, and you know, and with the thing and with my heart and the this and the, the that, and then you know, and the, the, the kidneys, and I'm going to this, and I got that. And, and he's like, what? Because <laughs> I'd, I'd never told him any of it, right? And I was like, oh, I didn't tell you. But, you know, we don't, in part, maybe, because we want to protect other people. <laughs> maybe we just want to, you know, we want to sh certainly shield our children from pain or right. the, the realities of mortality, 
and mm-hmm. you know, but at the end of the day, how are you going to get what you need from people? Maybe what you need is for them to not ask you to cook dinner one mm-hmm. more night, right? But they don't right. know how, you know, that that you ask me one more time and it's going to be, you know, you're going to get a knuckle sandwich. Well, they don't know that, that, that you're on the edge or that you're struggling or mm-hmm. that you're um, emotional or whatever if we don't tell them. So I just... I love that. You know, so there, there is a point where, you know, our, in our self-discovery and in our overcoming some of the obstacles, like you said, that we put out, we create our own obstacles. Right. And it's like, stop creating, not, if you don't create an <laughs> obstacle, you won't have to overcome that obstacle, right? right? Well, and I think you bring up a beautiful point about vulnerability. Um, we don't like to be vulnerable. And this goes for male, female alike. Um, women are tended to be viewed as more emotional. And yet, even with that, and maybe part of its conditioning, we hold back a ton of what we're really feeling, what we're really going through. Um, We don't tell our children a lot of things because we do want to protect them from worrying about us. You know, we're the adult, they're the kid. But I think we hold back a lot, even from our spouse, from our friends sometimes. Um, And in reality, then we're wondering why people aren't there for us, you know, and and if we'll just be willing to be vulnerable and a little bit more transparent, I mean, yeah, ask for what we we want. And Mm -hmm. that intimacy in that relationship, I mean, sometimes when we think of intimacy, we relate it to sex, but intimacy is really that deep connection with someone. And it doesn't just have to be a spouse. We can have an intimate relationship with a child, with a friend, because we're truly deeply connected heart to heart with them. And so you can't have that deep connection if you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable and to be open and to be honest about what you're experiencing. And sometimes it's hard because we don't even know how to express what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. But a lot of times if we'll just let down our guard, (laughs) you know, and, you know, kind of just say, Hey, this is where I'm coming from right now. And, And you may not understand, and that's fine that you don't understand, but this is what I really need right now. This is what I need from you, or or if you can't give that to me, I just need a little bit of space and, you know, try to figure things out. And and a lot of times we just don't tell people what we need. You know, we're afraid that they're going to, feelings will be hurt if we say, hey, I need space, (laughs) you know, or or that they won't respond when we say, hey, this is what I need from you. You know, I need you to go get dinner for me tonight. I can't do it today. You know, we're afraid they'll say no. And we take every no as like this massive amount of rejection. When in reality, it's just, you know, maybe they literally can't do that. You know, maybe there's a reason they can't do it. Um, But instead, we always process it as they won't do it because it's me asking. And so we Mm -hmm. process all these things as these negative things. And we let it become a reflection of who we are, rather than saying, okay, they said no, I say no all the time. Doesn't mean I don't care about that person, right? Doesn't mean I don't want to serve them or help them. There's always a reason why someone says no. And in my experience, it's never because they just don't care about you or just don't want to help. Yeah. (laughs) But we'll never know if we don't ask. (laughs) Exactly. So Christine, where are you now in your journey? And um, in the relationships <sighs> with yourself and yeah. with others. Um, myself is always a journey. Um, 
and it, and it continually improves. I mean, I'll have times where I feel really good and, and my relationship with self is really positive. And then I have times where I find that I'm beating myself up again and, you know, condemning myself, criticizing myself for foolish mistakes that I'm like, you know, I should know better. And then I remind myself it's a journey. And, you know, I, I may have should have known better, but at least I'm recognizing it faster than I would have when I was in my 30s or my 20s, you know. So kind of learning to celebrate and give myself credit that even though I repeated that mistake that I should know better about, I've, I've caught it faster, you know, and, and I've made it right faster and things like that. So I'm definitely um, really learning to love myself more unconditionally and giving myself credit and giving myself permission to do what I really want, what I really feel driven to do. And that's been incredibly fulfilling. Um, marriage is really good. Obviously, I think people think that marriage is supposed to be constantly blissful or it's not a good marriage. And marriage is work, um, hard work. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, it requires sometimes completely putting your ego aside. Actually, all the time you need to put your ego aside. It, it means you have to really put up with things that maybe you, you didn't think you would need to. And I'm not saying putting up with abuse. I'll never advocate for that or say that that's okay. But I think sometimes we, we <laughs> make a bigger issue out of things that are not an issue. So kind of learning to say, hey, that's really not worth going the rounds over. You know, oh, you didn't take out the trash again? Big freaking deal. So what? It's trash, right? We sometimes allow the smallest things to become these huge issues, you know, and, and it's really a non-issue. So um, we're still a work in progress, definitely. I mean, we have our moments where things are hard and I'm thinking, why did we? <laughs> I think we both think sometimes, why did we work things out, you know, but um then we realize why, you know, we, we remember why we love each other and why we're fighting so hard for our marriage. And we come back together and we work through it. And now it's no longer a, you know, well, should we part ways? Should we get divorced? It's more of what do we need to do to make this be more satisfying? How can we make this a happier marriage, a healthier marriage? You know, what do you need from me? What can I give you? That type of stuff. Um, so it's been really fascinating because the biggest thing is that my husband hasn't really made changes. <laughs> it's me changing that's made the changes. You know, I, I can't sit there and say, wow, he's monumentally made this 360. And he's gotten into personal development. He reflects on himself. He doesn't. He doesn't take time to sit back and reflect on himself. But I reflect on myself. And in me doing that, I've created this really great marriage that I'm really happy with, that I feel really satisfied with, that he's happy with. Um, and, and it's not coming from massive changes he made, but the changes that I've made. And do so, you think that is really a reflection of, you know, going back to, and you didn't say this explicitly, but I know what you're talking about, the E plus R equals O, talking yes. about 100% responsibility. Um, and that it is a function of not only you taking responsibility, but you being happier with yourself, you taking mm -hmm. the time to love yourself, to recognize um, what you want, being intentional about what it is you want from yourself in your relationships and out of life that mm -hmm. makes it possible for that to sort of transcend whatever he does or doesn't do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, 100%. I, I got to say, every time there's a massive conflict, that's the first thing I go to. I'm like, okay, this is what's going on, the event. This is how I've been responding, and this is what I've been getting. Okay, 
this is the outcome I really want. What do I need to change in my response? How can I respond to my husband in a different way? And sometimes the response is just ignoring him. Um, not engaging, right? Like he's a man. Sometimes he gets upset over stupid things. And rather than me engaging it, like defending myself, I'm like, dude, it's such a non-issue and I'll just ignore it. And sometimes it is me going to bat for myself saying, hey, uh, -uh you're not going to talk to me that way. You're not going to treat me that way. You know, so it is a very different response, but I'm always like, what do I want to get from this? Where do I want this to end up? And how do I need to respond in this moment to actually get what I want rather than what I don't want, but I've created because I was all puffed up on myself or, you know, thought I have to respond this way. Um, so I think E plus R equals O or taking 100% responsibility is kind of guides my life. It guides my life in and my relationship. E equals O? Yes. Oh, good for point. Our, for our audience who don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. So mm -hmm. E plus R equals O is a principle I learned from Jack Canfield's success principles. It's the first principle. And I know Whitney's familiar with that. We're both um, trainers for this, this content. But um, E equals event. E, e represents the event or, or the experience, wh what's going on. And then the R equals your response. And then O is the outcome. So if you take okay. your e the event plus your response, that's going to create whatever your outcome is. We can't change the event. It's happened, right? And the outcome is going to be a result of how we respond. So the only thing we have control over is, is that response. And so, um, you know, we can choose to respond really harshly, really negatively, and we're going to get the outcome that results in a harsh and negative outcome. Or we can choose to respond to things with love, with compassion, with understanding. Um, and we're going to get an outcome that is created by love, compassion, understanding. And so it's really just looking at things and saying, okay, and sometimes we, we just respond out of natural instinct. And then you have to kind of say, okay, now what do I want to get and how do I need to change my response moving forward? But if we can learn to just pause <laughs> and reflect for a moment before responding, um, it's amazing the shifts that will occur. It's amazing the changes that will happen um, and how people will respond back to us because of that. And in this day and age of like this constant, you know, with text messaging and, and technology, it's like we feel like we have to immediately respond, right? You text someone and you expect a response right away. And we've gotten used to, to communicating via text or, or email or virtual messaging rather than, you know, contact. And so it's, it's taking that moment to say that person might want me to respond right away, but I don't have to. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do what they want from me. I have to do what I need to do. So I'm going to take time to pause, to think this through, to think about what I want to get out of this experience, you know, and then from there, I'm going to choose my response rather than reacting. <laughs> I'm going to choose to respond in a way that's going to create what I want. And, and if, if they respond in a different way than you anticipated for your outcome, then you, once again, you pick what you want to respond until you can get the desired outcome. And sometimes that desired outcome might not be what you originally intended because of how they're responding. But I think we always have a lot more power and control than we give ourselves credit for. And if we'll just empower ourselves to actually utilize that power that we have and to kind of take control of our own lives and quit worrying about everybody else. Like we worry so much about everybody else. Just, I worry about me, you know, everybody else got their own business, their own life. And all I can control is me. And that's all I'm going to try to control anymore. 
And that was a really huge freeing thing is to quit trying to control everybody else. <laughs> but through how I respond to them in a weird way, I was sort of not really controlling them, but I was sort of getting what I wanted because I was changing my way of dealing with them, of talking with them. I was giving them more of what they wanted because I was responding in a more positive way. All right. And I think that's really interesting, um, particularly when you think of interactions with men um, mm -hmm. and the, it, just the difference in the way men and women communicate feminine, masculine energy, right? And trying to match their energy or match the way mm -hmm. they communicate helps to create a conflict. And when we can back off and, and be, and, and not necessarily soft and frilly, but more of who we really are, Yes. Um, rather than trying to, you know, bump up against them, that it helps to make that dance a, a little more harmonic. And therefore, it takes some of the, the angst that's created in that away. I love that. I love that you mentioned that because I think we have developed a culture where women have felt like they needed to man up, so to speak. Yeah. And now finally, we're getting back to saying, it's okay that I'm feminine. It's okay that I'm a nurturer. It's okay that I have these qualities. That's actually an asset for me rather than a detriment. Right. And finally, the world is responding to that. And they're looking for more of that softer touch, you know, that, that softer approach. We can still be assertive and we can still be powerful. Doesn't mean we have to do it the same way that a man does it. Right. And in our uniqueness, we actually... I think have become more empowered because of that. Absolutely. Because of owning our feminine side. Absolutely. Well, Christine, we want to thank you so much for oh, the time to come in. It's been such a pleasure. <laughs> share your, your journey, share your story. Um, the, the things that um, stood out to me, um, of course, was to take responsibility, right? To, to own mm -hmm. your stuff. Um, not, excusing anyone else's behavior mm -hmm. but your stuff and in um in light of that being able to be someone who forgives and forgive starting with self right but it, right. It, the things that we are taking out into the world that we can forgive ourselves for any decisions we've made that didn't go didn't have an outcome that we wanted that we can forgive ourselves for that and then forgive others that that grace is a part mm -hmm. of every relationship and then um, finally asking for what we want and and being willing to be vulnerable in that we may mm -hmm. not get it and that's okay but be willing to ask for what we want so i, right. I again i want to thank you so much for coming on and chatting with oh. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute joy, an absolute joy to be visiting with you today and really talking nice about the things meeting. I'm passionate about. You as well, you guys dear. Obviously, you've known uh, yeah. known each other through some other channels, and uh -huh. I'm just I'm so pleased to have the opportunity to meet you. Oh, my pleasure! It's been a, an story. absolute beautiful, beautiful. There's so many things Thank about you. your story that just resonate. I will say. <laughs> that you know i'm so like, happy I, to hear that we could talk about this for <laughs> seven more days and not repeat right? the same i'm sure 
So I wanted to give you an opportunity before we um, leave. I know that you have a project coming up and uh -huh. that you have um, been part of a book and it will be launching soon. So if you'd like to share that. Um, Absolutely. I am so excited um, to be announcing that I will be a co-author of a new book coming out called Women Who Empower. And I know it's one that Whitney's also a co-author of. And um, it's all about stories of women and how they've been empowered in things to help empower other women. And mine's all about in being empowered in your relationships and, and empowering yourself to forgive and to move on beyond those negative things that happen and to create something beautiful in your life. So um, it will come out on Amazon December 16th, and we're hoping everybody will pick it up as, as amazing Christmas presents for the women in your life, Hanukkah presents, Kwanzaa presents, whatever you do. Um, or even if you celebrate nothing, you just should have them and give them to all the women in your life, I think. <laughs> so check it out. Um, it's coming out through Kate, Kate Butler Books, and, and I know I'm super excited about it. We've been sharing quotes from the book all month and they have just inspired me even more um given me a new perspective new insights so i cannot wait for this to come out and i think it's going to definitely change some lives and be a game changer for a lot of of women and and it can apply to men too it's just i think women need that extra boost sometimes with with the way the world has been in the past absolutely well i wish you well congratulations on Thank you. to the book and um, we will make sure that information about the book and how to contact you um, are in the show notes. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you again for having me on. It's been such a pleasure for me. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. And we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for joining us for Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops. If you like our show, please share with your friends. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever platform you listen to this podcast. Your questions, comments, and feedback are welcome. You can find out more about us at lifelemonslemondrops.com. 